0: Hey, it's uh, Friday, and we're going to set up one last afternoon ask anything for the week. The, the thing where I promised that I would give it a try yesterday at the ballpark did not work, so I apologize for that. That was ambitious to begin with, um, but using someone else's Wi-Fi in that setting with music blaring and distractions like moment of silence and anthems and stuff like that—it just uh, it, it wasn't going to happen. So uh, this works the same way it always does. Whenever you have, uh, if you have a question, comment, criticism, whatever, just send it along in the comments right underneath, or just uh, you know follow along. We'll get started with this in about. A minute while I make sure that all the appropriate sharing has taken place. I'm like totally rattled today, by the way, just just letting you know in advance. It's not been a great 72 hours. So feel free to ask about that. Let's see. I can share it on Facebook. And all right, hit share on this. And then the same thing goes for the big Twitter machine. And then we will be ready to go. And I will be able to explain why I'm so rattled today. All right, we good? All right, all set. Okay. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And there's a lot to discuss on a lot of different fronts. And if you're interested in doing that, I'm okay with that. It's why I'm here. So that everyone can take out their nastiness on someone who's available. And I've gotten a lot of that in the last 48 hours if I sound like I'm uh, a little bit, what's the word for it? A little bit rattled today. Um, that happens, you know, that happens. Chris starts off on a happy note, says, I need a Paul Weller t-shirt. I, I mean, I'm into the jam. I've been into the jam, but I mean, not to that extent, not to that extent. The Vapors were and are uh, a much better band than they, they get attached to the jam way too casually. Uh, I'm not into that at all, but I, I do have, I do have jam stuff. Let's see what else we have here. David Jamison starts us off by saying sorry to hear about Phil Coyne. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, the the usher, the 103-year-old usher uh, at PNC Park and at Three River Stadium and at Forbes Field, he'd been working Pirates games since 1936. At one point or another in his life, had laid eyes on the top 25 players all time. In baseball history, that's pretty impressive. He passed away. Uh, we should all be so fortunate as to live 103 to 103 years old. I don't believe I ever met the man. Mike says, Happy Friday, DK. Clearly, it's not, Mike. Clearly, it is not a happy Friday. But if you insist, what are your thoughts on the great game of curling? Um, As much curling as I've watched and in one case covered in Vancouver and in one case participated at at Winnipeg's Granite Curling Club, I'm still not that into the rules and the strategies of it. Um, I do appreciate, though, the Canadians' passion for it. Uh, You see it on sports bars Throughout the day, it's crazy when you go in there because there's obviously not sports events like games going on uh, in the daytime. It's just on constantly. And people sit around at the bars like this, just like staring at the TV as if they're watching a chess match. It's really, really cool. Oh, by the way, I was horrendous at it when I tried it. It's so much harder than it looks. Doug asks, how much hot water do you think Rick Eckstein is in? I mean, at the moment, none. I mean, it's, we're a week into the season, but I definitely think that he should be. You know, at some point or other, you have to make players better. If your hitters are regressing under your watch and it's your only job, and they have already shown, including under your watch in 2019, that they can hit, I'm not sure where else you point the finger there, you know? Gerard. Uh, Gerard Joseph says, are the Pirates actually worse than you imagined? Through a week, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, I did express skepticism throughout spring training about the offensive numbers that they were putting up. I'll always do that in Bradenton because of the way those things can get inflated. But I also was at least moderately encouraged by the fact that a lot of that production came in other spring ballparks, Kevin Newman didn't hit 700 just at Lecom Park. Adam Frazier didn't hit 553 just at Lecom Park. These guys were hitting the ball. But there's a big difference between spring ball and this ball, and it's it has not been good. Uh, they have been worse. I don't think they're going to stay this bad. I think they ran into a super hot Cincinnati team. I think more of their games are going to look like the one yesterday where they're kind of tighter games that they have a chance to win and just don't. ZD Kaufman says, what's your favorite sport that is not as mainstream? Mine is bocce. See, I don't know anything about bocce either. Uh, favorite sport that's not as mainstream. I don't really have one. See, this is all I do. I just do like Pittsburgh stuff, and I basically really, really immerse myself into three teams. So I've offended people at times when I've said something about the NBA, like uh, that I don't know a certain team's player or nickname or whatever. I don't have time in the day. Pittsburgh doesn't have an NBA franchise. If and when that day comes, and it never will, I'll be just as much into the NBA as much as I am with anything else. It's just a matter of time in the day. Rick says, Hi DK, think the Penguins make any deadline deals? Do you put any stock in the rumors that they might try for Scott Lawton or Sam Bennett? Rick, there are no such rumors. They do not exist. Nothing like that has been reported by an actual media outlet. If you care to contradict that, uh, I'm right here. Send me a link. Send me a link. Be really, really mindful this time of year that there are tons and tons and tons of fake accounts out there because everyone wants to get, you know, like Rick, to jump on and say, hey, look at so-and-so insider from Saskatchewan. Uh, hockey rumors are us.com. That's, that's, uh, that's not how this business works. When you're working for an actual journalism outlet, there are editors and they ask to see your sources and they ask for backing before it goes to publication. Do I think the Penguins will make any deadline deals at this moment in time? My belief is that they won't do much of anything, nor Should they? GS Bruno says, how disappointing was it that the 91 or the 92 Pirates couldn't win the World Series? Well, I mean, GS, it sounds like you were there. There's not yet been uh, in my lifetime a greater disappointment on any Pittsburgh sports front than the 92 Pirates. I mean, there's just what happened at the end of that series remains completely unspeakable for for people because they knew that was going to be basically the end of the franchises, we knew it. And you know what? It has been for the most part. The 92 Pirates, a lot of people don't know this, had the highest payroll in baseball. And everyone knew where the game was heading in terms of the imbalanced economics. I don't think they knew it was going to be this bad, but it has been. And baseball needs a salary cap. Hank Spicer says, "I have to admit, DK. I scanned the comments to see if someone started nutting BS on the passing of Phil. You know what? I, I don't care what anybody says about nutting. I really don't, and I don't care where they do it. I just find it boring. But anyone's free to say whatever it is that they want about the guy. I just couldn't care less. Do I sound bitter today. That's okay. That's okay. That happens too. This thing wears you down once in a while, and I'm I'm in a, very much in a worn down." State today. Here's a good one. Andrew Scott asks, how did the Pirates change their approach at the plate? I hope you saw the column that I wrote from the home opener uh, that's on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Um, I think it's still atop the site. It's uh, maddening watching this team at the plate when you know that they've hit and you see how absolutely non-aggressive they are. This happens in sports where you will look at the team that is at the top of its class and say, well, if we were only like that, if we only behaved or performed like that, we'd be okay. When you have a big meaty payroll, loaded up lineup, the approach that the Pirates are taking at the plate works where you can just say we're going to be so super selective here and we're going to wait because the next guy is going to get a hit or the guy after that is going to get a hit. When you see the Pirates and some nobody like Dustin Fowler come up to the plate with the pitcher on deck and he's trying to work a walk, get out of here. Get that out of here all day long. And again, this comes down to the hitting coach. I, I – hate their approach at the plate. And I'll tell you what, I brought it up with Derek Shelton yesterday and he didn't completely go along with it, but he sure didn't shoot it down. He sure didn't shoot it down. He's not going to rip his own guy, but they want to see more aggressive swings. Uh, The way Shelton put it in his response to me was, you'd like to have some contact there. John Eustace Asks, Radim Zahorna, what's his ceiling and future with the Penguins? Well, if you score a goal like Big Z did last night at Madison Square Garden, your ceiling is even taller than you are. Uh, That's a tremendous goal scorer's goal. When you're 6'6", and you can move like that, not just the power move to cut to the inside and to get the puck all the way around Igor Shesterkin, because that was more of a reach thing, But the way he gained the New York blue line, and I don't even remember who the Rangers' defenseman was, And he's backing off, and he's thinking, tall guy, he's not getting around me. And then tall guy got around him. That's really, really impressive. I don't know that he's going to be the answer this season because there's a lot more to the game than the stuff he's shown, but the stuff he's shown is a big, big, big part of the game. All right, you guys are putting me in a better mood here. Keith Hadley asks, who of Anthony Alford, Jared Oliver, Travis Swaggerty, and don't laugh, O'Neal Cruz is most likely to impact center field for the Bucks in the future? Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to laugh at Cruz being in center field. It just he, he's never done it. And you do have to have uh, a significant amount of athleticism to to cover that kind of ground, not just being a tall guy, since we're now talking about tall guys here. Um, I've never heard once anyone suggest that Cruz could be in center. Uh, Oliva needs to hit the ball or he's not worth discussing. Alfred needs to hit the ball on a regular, consistent basis or he's not worth discussing. So Swaggerty is the guy that I'll be looking at here. I mean, Swaggerty is the guy that to me is, is really the one that out of this group jumps out. But, Keith, this group that you just mentioned is not exciting. And the Pirates do need outfielders, uh, in particular outfielders who are capable of playing center field. That's a big deal. Big, big deal in an organization. because You can always move a center fielder to a corner position and you can't always do it in the reverse. Nick asks, name a left winger you think the Penguins can land. Can land or would like to land? I mean, you know, the guys that are out there, at least the, whose names get get thrown out there by reputable outlets or Nick Felino and so forth. I mean, the Columbus has such a weird Pittsburgh thing going over there that I can't imagine Yarmo Kekalainen and or uh, John Tortorella saying, hey, yeah, let's uh, let's send our, our captain over there to the Penguins and, you know, watch him help them win a Stanley Cup. I don't think that's going to happen. Um you know, Adam Lowry is a guy in in Winnipeg that a lot of people have their eye on as well because he's a UFA after the season. But the Jets are in second place in their division, and I don't think you're going to see uh, Kevin Chevel off say, "Hey, you know, I'm just ready to throw out anybody and everybody for a draft pick." So I really, I, I wouldn't be getting too amped up over the Monday deadline. Jim Rutherford's not the GM anymore. Matthew says, "What's your favorite goal song slash home run song?" I don't think there are home run songs, so I'm not sure what you mean by that. But favorite goal song, uh, I mean the the Penguins are I'm trying to think what they're used. They went back to party hard. Uh, I don't know. You know what happens is when the, when a goal is scored, I'm. <laughs> I have a lot to do when that happens. So I go and I start typing things about the goal and I don't really hear anything that's happening uh, around me here. <sighs> Doug says, with so many former hitting coaches on the Pirates staff, how? He doesn't finish it, but how is actually a really good question. These are not professional approaches. They're just not death or glory. asks how can you compare and contrast what Ben Charrington is is trying with the Cubs rebuild. The Cubs lost hundred games in Theo's first year. This is actually closer to that than what it is to what most people compare it to. It really is. Um, this is the Theo model. This is this is what happened in Boston. This is what ha- what's happened in other places where you do the teardown. Uh, you rip it up. You blow it up. And then you start doing that for pieces and parts of high ceiling guys and you work them through your system and you coach them up and you make them better. But the making them better part doesn't wait. And that was the point of my column from the home opener. You don't let people off the hook when players who are currently in the system or right now in Pittsburgh – aren't getting better or in some cases are visibly regressing, then you might not have the right people in place to do the execution. When I praise the Pirates' current management for their approach, there's a difference between approach and execution. You can have a great plan. If you don't make it work, it doesn't matter. Billy asks, do you think Sam Lafferty and Radim Zahorna should stay in the lineup When the team is fully healthy, I'm not sold on Sam. He's had a promising couple of games and he has shown some classic Brian Burke-esque truculence, uh, notably last night, uh, dropping the gloves off the draw, especially after it appeared that he was the one, Sam was, that had arranged before that faceoff to make sure that there was a fight. He looked like he issued the challenge. I don't know that that's going to keep you in the lineup. I'm not sure that Sam even would have played last night had Anthony Angelo not wound up getting hurt. Uh, Zahorna, remember, I can't say this often enough, when you're talking about bottom six guys, you're talking about penalty killing first and foremost. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that, but that's how coaches make up their lineup. If you're on the bottom six, you better be a PK guy. So you're going to see someone like a Mark Jankowski or Evan Rodriguez or whoever get nods over the guys that you might like as a five-on-five player. But five-on-five is not what gets you into the lineup on the fourth line. The PK is. Jake asks, do you think Polanco just had a bad start to the year or is he washed up like some think? The principal point about Polanco is that he doesn't matter. He's not part of the team's future. He's not tradable. That doesn't change because he went two for three and almost hit a three-run homer uh, within that. It just doesn't. I'm happy for Greg. He seemed relieved. I had a chance to ask him a couple of direct questions after the game. Uh, he was smiling a little bit. That's good to see. Doesn't matter toward the Pirates' future at all. At all. He's in the last year of his contract and has 0.00% chance of coming back. Uh, Jake also asked why... I think Charrington is putting more faith in Wilmer Defoe than Todd Frazier. That one's easy. Wilmer Defoe can play multiple positions. Manager needs multiple positions. Todd Frazier is really just a first baseman at 35 years old with a bad back. Hank says, DK, I think the Pirates are bad, but as young as they are, who really thought they were competing this season? Can we chalk this up to the process? Hank, I I see a team that's 1-6 right now that shouldn't be 1-6. I see a team that isn't hitting anywhere near as well as its individual players' own histories. I do think the starting pitching is as bad as what you've seen. But I've liked the bullpen all along, and I think the hitters, again, should at least be hitting where they're supposed to be hitting, and that's why I keep focusing on the hitting. John McIntyre asks, will the Pirates set the all-time record for losses this year? No. No, no chance of that. I think the all-time, their own all-time record was like 136 or something. What was the 1890 Pittsburgh Alleghenies? I know we have some historians who follow along with us here. The 1890 Pittsburgh Alleghenies were the absolute worst. This was just a bunch of coal miners and whatever, but they were just – really, really terrible. And I know for a fact that they do have the all-time franchise record uh, for losses and l- losing percentage and all that other stuff. Donnie says, I hope things begin to brighten up for you. You know what, Donnie, they hadn't until you came along. That's just the way this goes. What ends up happening here is because I do a lot of connecting with readers, viewers, listeners, whatever it is in any form. And, and I'm I feel like I'm constantly in touch and that's been something that's been um, a part of who I am in this line of work for a really long time including back in the days when nobody in this in this industry in the media industry was doing that everything was just file a story, close the machine, call it a day there was no actual interaction and I've always really appreciated that part of it but what ends up happening, is that things go bad for one team or more than one team and people get angry about it or disappointed or both. And they know where they can find someone to yell at or accuse of things and whatever else. And they send it this way. And it it does, you know, there, there does come a point where you say, what am I doing? You know, I don't have to be this available. What did you actually ask here, Donnie? Of the top three possibilities right now, who would you say is the best first matchup for the Penguins? I say the Capitals. Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you as well, Don. I think particularly on the back end, Washington does give up a lot of chances. That's going to be beneficial to the Penguins. Uh, I don't know that the Capitals can trust their goaltending. Uh, Certainly not to the extent that the other teams in the division can. So what you'd have to do in facing Washington is what you've always had to do in facing Washington. You have to stop Ovechkin and Backstrom and Kuznetsov and Eller and Oshie and those top two lines that are loaded. I mean, leave Wilson out. Wilson's a dirtbag, but a guy can play and a guy can score. Uh, you have to shut down those two lines and you have to keep the Capitals off the power play where you just easily throw – Uh, John Carlson and Dimitri Orlov into that mix as far as threats go. Gerard says the 1899 Cleveland Spiders own the Major League loss record with 20 and 134. Yeah, but I'm asking about the 1890 Alleghenies, not the Spiders. By the way, Cleveland Spiders really should be the Indians' next name when they come around to that. Dana says the interaction is a huge part of the site's success. One big family. That's really nice, Dana. You don't see the the correspondence that I get. And, and it can be a little bit discouraging at times. I'm not out there playing. I'm not out there pitching. I'm not out there hitting. I'm not out there giving up eight goals to the Rangers the other night. And I'm not out there snapping the ball over Ben's head in a playoff game. I'm just covering it, and I just happen to be here. Mr. Eric says, I have no idea how you come up with different things to talk about on your daily shots. There's a lot of stuff. Eric's talking about, by the way, daily shot podcasts that I do, for those of you who don't know. There's one on each team every morning, every weekday morning, on Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates. They're about 20 minutes long. I set them up in a way so that they're available for your drive. Uh, I was told by a radio person um, in, in the radio that I've done that the average amount of time that a listener stays tuned in for any kind of talk show format, is 17 minutes. So whatever it is that you do, he told me, make sure it's under 17 minutes. Okay, cool. I knew someone would come through here. Kevin says 23 and 113 was the 1890 Alleghenies. Yeah, that was the worst team in Pirates history. That was their fourth year. And it was actually even before they were called the Pirates. That didn't come along. Until a good bit later, John says that uh, their record was twenty three and one thirteen, finished eighth in the National League. I'm sure that was out of eight. (laughs) (sighs) Oh boy, Michael says no one really expects this team to win this year. No, nobody did, and that's the thing is when you watch this, the there's reasons to get upset with the start. And I think, again, you have to keep separating here. It's one thing for the Pirates to be one and six. It's another thing for them to be standing there on their shoulders watching pitches go by with with people on base and the pitcher on deck. That's different. That's different. Tim finally comes up with a football question. Why do all these national experts get so excited over pro days? I can see how they make you look at someone, but I can't wrap my head over a good day making you a first rounder if the play doesn't support it. It's not It's not an either-or, though, Tim. It's the combination of the coaches studying through every slice of film that they can find on a player. But it's also the opportunity to be there in person, to interact, to watch the kid away from some kind of film setting or a game setting and see how they behave. Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert talked about Chase Claypool's pro day uh, at Notre Dame last year and how impressed they were with him. They were watching him away from regular drills. They watched him after a special teams drill of some kind and they I'm not going to tell the story perfectly well here, winging it off the top of my head, but they saw him do something that made them believe that he was really, really invested in a special teams drill. And that told them a lot about his character and told them that they could trust him in terms of being an effort-first, a team-first kind of player. Football teams themselves value these pro days a lot. So what the experts think or don't think really isn't, um, you know, a- as much of an issue here. Matthew says, What happens if hypothetically Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are both off the board come pick 24? Uh, panic. Panic. I mean, I know there are other running backs in the mix, and I respect that, but I don't hear a whole lot of running backs, other running backs mentioned as being worthy of the first round. So, in that event, and I don't know that this is likely, I don't think you're going to see two teams in the top 23 ahead of the Steelers commit to a running back. I don't know that, A, there's no Saquon Barkley type where you're going to see somebody – what was Saquon? A sixth overall out of Penn State to the Giants. Um, There's no one like him in the draft. So what you're going to see is I think there's a risk that you're going to see one of them gone. But look, only one team in the NFL finished 32nd out of 32 teams in rushing. So I I, I do think that the that the Steelers are are in, in a position where they're gonna have one of those two guys. David asks, any thoughts on Paul Dockerty ripping the Bucks recently? I'm sorry, I don't even know who Paul Dockerty is. Um if you want to send something back, I, I don't know what that reference is to. Craig asks, break down your typical day this time of year. When do you sleep? You can't be up 24-7. <laughs> Thanks for doing what you do. I, I mean, I sleep. I, I get sleep. The catch is, is when you get up and you just don't you do not do anything else. And when you start your day off by seeing all kinds of, you know, accusatory stuff from your own subscribers, uh, you know, about this and that and nutting and whatever else here, you know, Take it elsewhere. This is why I say this nutting stuff. I don't care what you say about the guy. I really just genuinely don't. My attachment to the man is zero. It's just that it's so boring. It's so boring, and it's so deflating when you put work in on an actual baseball column that discusses actual baseball things, and all you see after it is nutting this, nutting that, mostly from people who don't even bother following the team. They just, they're just aware of the narrative and the soap opera, and they like to jump on board with it. Gerard says, why are we seemingly so okay in this region with the Pirates being so bad for so long? But if the Steelers lose a division, uh, or if the Penguins go one and done in the playoffs, people go nuts. Why are they not being held to the same standard of achievement? Gerard, if you don't know the difference between a salary cap league and a non cap league, I'm not sure how I could shed light on it for you in a live program. I mean, it's really that simple. The Pirates have a payroll of 48 million. If the Pirates spent up to whatever people perceive their capabilities of being or what the franchise record was in 2015, which was 102 million, if they spent up to 102 million, on payroll, they would still be at almost like a third of what the Dodgers are spending. The system is completely bleeping broken. There isn't an owner anywhere who could or would save it. The number of owners in professional sports who put their own money into a team is this. It is zero. No one does it. Mark Cuban doesn't do it not one of them does it. Not one of them puts money in from outside operational revenues into operational expenses. None of them. Zero. If you find any account ever of an owner doing that, send it my way and I will eat my words, but you won't. The stuff that's happened here in Pittsburgh is complete mythology. Instead of blaming the system that's completely broken, we've turned the owner into some kind of uh, cartoon villain. He's from the Cincinnati Inquirer, says David. I, again, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea what we're talking about. I, and also, I don't comment on other other outside media outlets work. I just don't. Let's see what else we have here. ZD asks, Travis Etienne or Najee Harris? Uh, I'll trust the Steelers on this one. I'll start with that because they were the team that correctly identified Le'Veon Bell when everyone else was saying Eddie Lacy. Lacey ended up going in the first round to Green Bay, and Lev went in the second round to Pittsburgh. But my own answer, which doesn't matter anywhere near as much or at all, is I really like ATN. I, I like watching the things that he can do out of the black backfield, uh, his ability to explode off the ball, not just on routine handoffs, but on passes out of the backfield. He did some amazing things. Now, granted, he had you know a pretty good quarterback at Clemson, but he'd have one in Pittsburgh, too. Uh, let's see what else we have. Ken asks, hey, DK, do you think the Steelers should address the Nelson situation? They kept the older, more expensive cornerback without even discussing it with Nelson to discuss a lower salary and an extension. What do you mean by address the Nelson situation? I'm not sure what you mean. Like, what went wrong? Like, talk about it? Or are you talking about getting uh, another corner? Feel free to come back to me on that one. Uh, R Tremendous says, who do you say is the best interview?'" In Pittsburgh sports. Well, let's see. Now that Ramon Foster is retired and working for DK Pittsburgh sports, and he actually was. um, As I look across all three teams, wow, and now Vince Williams is gone too. I'm going to say that the one that probably jumps out at me would be, hmm, Cam Hayward. Yeah, I'm going to say Cam, not just because Cam is super, super nice and professional and cooperative and everything, but Cam will put thought into his answer. Cam does this neat thing where when you ask him something that throws him off a little bit, instead of going for the most predictable, blah, corporate-friendly reply – Cam will do this thing where he'll kind of. This is when he's sitting at his stall and he'll just kind of look down and look off to the right, and you got to wait on him. You don't rephrase the question. You don't show any impatience. You just wait him out, and then he'll look up at you, and he'll come with something really, really good. I'm going to say I'm going to say Cam. Um, If I picked one from each team, Chris Letang has his moments of just. Total brutal honesty. And I really value that. The best actual quotes come from Marcus Pedersen, but the real brutal honesty comes from Letang. Uh and for the Pirates, uh, the guy that I that I appreciate in the brutal honesty category and, and understanding that it's a very different team because it's a lot of younger guys, is Brian Reynolds. Uh he's got a, a no BS type of attitude about him. But the funniest and the most entertaining is going to be a tie between Cole Tucker uh, when he's with the team and Stephen Brault when he's with the team. That was fun. Let's take a couple more here today. We'll stretch the boundaries a little bit. I'll uh, scroll up a little bit. I hope my bad mood didn't completely kill this session. David King asks, what is the early line on who will be the number one pick in next year's MLB draft? It depends on where you read. It depends on who you talk to. Jack Leiter has stuff and execution of that stuff that is going to send scouts through the roof. And when I say stuff, for anybody who doesn't know what that means, it means ball coming out of the hand to ball doing things. It doesn't even mean where it ends up. It doesn't reflect poise. It's just stuff. The curveball does this amount of movement with this amount of dynamism uh, and this amount of deception, meaning the hitter doesn't read the release or doesn't read the pitch. Or the pitches, for example, this is another one where a fastball and a curve from the same pitcher will make it Almost 30 or 40% of the weight of the plate with the same motion. This is the kind of stuff, well, stuff literally, <laughs> that they look for. Jack Lighter has that through the roof, but then he's six feet tall and he's not built as big and strong as Kumar Rocker is. So you have a concern about comparing their potential health situations. Last one today comes from. Mike Hamilton, who says, Does the Seattle NHL team begin playing next season? Yeah, you know that. Give me a yes or no question to end the session. Let's try another one. Mike Nesbitt says, Which Pirates prospect are you most excited about in the future? Nick Gonzalez? You know what? Honestly, Mike, I am. I mean, I'm tempted to say, Well, I'd rather, you know, it would mean more to the Pirates if Quinn Priester the pitcher ends up being what everyone hopes that he'll be because it's so, so hard to get elite pitching, which, by the way, is why Mitch Keller is so important to the 2021 season. But that's not what you're asking. You ask what I'm most excited about. I want to see this team hit the baseball. I want to see this team look and feel competitive. And if you can't hit, you don't have that. You just don't. All right, we're cheating. One more. Brent says, is there any wisdom in extending Colin Moran and or Jacob Stallings for when the Pirates are good? Stallings, yes. Moran, let's see. Let's see. I I, I still need to see more contact and more consistency from him. And right now, it's not a great time to ask because he's had four days of none of the above. Uh, Stallings, though, he's got value. He's got value to you and your pitching staff into perpetuity. And if the Pirates are going to spend money, on keeping their own guys. I could very much see Jacob Stallings being part of that future, plus he loves and respects the organization because they gave him the chance to be here. I like that idea. In fact, Brent, there's a really good chance I'm going to put that forth at some point in a formal setting. Uh, Thanks to everyone (laughs) for participating slash tolerating this particular session in which I was clearly off my game and not into it, but you know what when you do these every day you're going to get this you know I'm sure you guys have bad days too and uh, the fact that we can do it together makes it uh, a little bit uh, a little bit more tolerable. Thanks to everybody. We'll do this again on uh, on Monday.